You guys, you will never believe what I just saw. It was the craziest thing that I have ever imagined. I saw the impossible happen. I saw the thing that when I looked at it, I was like, there is no way we are all going to die. But then God showed up. You see, there I was standing at the edge of a valley, standing there, staring across at my enemy. We were two armies about to go to war, two armies that were about to fight to the death. This was the day when thousands and thousands of people would die. This was the day when there would be widows and orphans because people were going to lose their lives. And I'm standing there lined up with all my other soldiers and we're looking at each other and we're a little bit nervous. It's about past noon and the day is getting hot. The sweat is dripping down my face. The armor that I am wearing feels heavier and heavier. The sword that I'm holding, I sort of just wished I sharpened it just that little bit more. But the day goes on and out from the enemy out steps this man. This man that stepped out at me, he's not just an ordinary man. This man is a warrior. He's a fighter, and you can tell his body is covered with scars. You can see it on his arms, on his legs, and on his face. And speaking about his legs, his legs were huge, the size of tree trunks. When he stepped onto the field, I swear I felt the ground shake. And when the ground shook, my heart trembled just a little bit. And then I looked at his arms, and his arms were ripped, ripped biceps, huge, huge, bigger than my legs. And the vein, there's a vein on his forehead. It's that vein you know that your mom gets when she's really upset with you that starts to pulse. That was his vein on his face, and he was ready to kill us. He stepped out in front of everyone. He stepped out, and he faced us, and he, he went, and he roared in his loud lion voice. Who here is brave enough to fight me? Who here will fight so that the rest of everyone else doesn't have to? I need one person to fight to the death. When you fight to the death, the winner will be good, but the losers will become the slaves of the winners. I looked to my left and my right, and I was scared. I was terrified. We don't have a fighter like him. We haven't experienced that much combat. What am I going to do? And as I'm looking, I notice something out of the corner of my eye. The front lines start to open up. Someone has volunteered. I have hope. Someone said that we will fight this lion of a man. And so out walks this volunteer. But there was something strange about this volunteer. He wasn't a soldier. He wasn't a warrior. He's never seen battle before. But he walks out, and it's just a boy. It's a kid, probably not older than any of you in the room, probably younger, in fact. And, and he walks out, and he can't even wear armor because it's too heavy. He can't hold a sword because whenever he was lifting up a sword, he'd pull it back, and then it would just fall. He was weak. But he stepped forward. I was terrified. I was petrified. My mind flashed back to my family who I knew were about to be slaves. 
What's going to happen to my wife and my kids? What's going to happen to my friends, to my family, my community? The kid goes up to the giant, and you hear the giant start to laugh. <laughs> what do you think you are? You're just a boy. You can't do anything. You're not strong. You're not talented. Guys, come on. Send me a better warrior. Send me someone who could actually make a difference in the world. Send me someone who can make a difference and win this battle. The boy goes up to the giant who's about 30 feet away, and he just takes a knee. And as he takes a knee, he, he grabs a rock from the ground, and he just starts staring at it. He looks back up at the giant, and I see his lips start to move. He's praying to his God. He's praying to God. I mean, it's a good time to pray. He's about to die, but they're praying to God. All of a sudden, the giant lifts his sword above his head like you would when you are ready to strike, and he starts running at the boy. The boy takes his rock, and he pulls out his sling. He puts it in there, and he twirls it above his head. The giant's running at him, and he lets it loose. Guys, I am so excited to be here with you today. You guys are like, what happens next? Don't worry, someone will share with that someday. But guys, I am so pumped to be with you. If you guys don't know me, I've gotten the chance to meet a few of you, but not everyone. My name is Mark, and uh, I've been in youth ministry for over 10 years. I work at a church in Anaheim where I get to work with all the high school students. But if I'm completely honest with you, I love junior hires. Can you guys make some noise for JHM and junior high? Make some noise. Yes, you guys are where it's at. And I've, I talk to a lot of people, and a lot of the people that says, hey, Mark, the, the generation of junior hires that we have now, they're our future. And whenever I hear that, I, I don't like that phrase. Because I don't believe that you guys are our future. I believe that you are our now. That you guys have the ability to make a difference, not just in the future, but where you are in your lives right now. You can make the biggest impact in your life right now as a junior hire. You do not have to wait till your future. But anyways, I'm really excited to be here with you. I got a couple of questions uh, for you really quick. Does anyone in this room uh, like to, to paint or to sing? Do we have any creatives in this room? Raise your hand. Be proud. Yeah. All right. All right. Do we have anyone in this room who uh, just likes to eat food? Yeah. Everyone's like, that's me. You better finish because I'm about to get hangry. All right. Um, do we have anyone in this room that would consider themselves an athlete? Do we have any athletes in the room? Anyone that loves sports? Is there anyone in this room who calls themselves an athlete when in reality you know you are definitely not an athlete? You're the person, yeah? There's a few of us. It's like all of us out of shape people were like, no. I'm an athlete. I'm going to sit down. So I remember a time when um, I just graduated eighth grade, and I wanted to play football. I wanted to be in the NFL. I wanted to be the best of the best. I wanted people all around the world to know my name, and I wanted to make million-dollar paychecks. Never happened. But I wanted to play football, and so what I did is the summer between eighth grade and high school, I tried out for my school's football team, and I worked out, and I tried everything, and you guys will never guess what happened. I made the team. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, um, I also found out that everyone makes the team, so it really wasn't a big deal. 
But you know, it's all right. It's sort of like the participation trophy of football back then. And uh, so I'm on this team and I'm working out every day and I'm playing everything and, and it comes time for season and the season is going okay. And, and like, we actually went 10 and zero that season. We were undefeated. We were the best of the best. And I just want to share with you guys, they did it all with me sitting on the bench. Yeah, 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 they didn't play me at all. My coach looked at me and said, Mark, Mark, listen up. He's like, Mark, listen up. You are too small, you are too scrawny, you are too weak to ever play football. He looked at me and said, Mark, you are pathetic. Mark, you don't have talent, you don't have abilities. In fact, in my high school, you're, um, you're supposed to play everyone is a minimum of two minutes per game. Over 10 games, that equals how many minutes? 20, that's all right. I see our public education is doing great. And uh, so I'm supposed to play 20 minutes a season. However, for me, my coach is like, Mark, I believe in you. You can play two minutes the entire season. So I played two minutes of, of football literally my entire season. But I remember one of my practices in particular. I'm at this practice and we're doing what's called a heads up drill. And what that means is you start running at another player and your job is to tackle them. Your job is to run full speed and just to annihilate them. And that was the goal. That was the goal of the thing. So we're doing this and we're all circled up watching because there's nothing better than watching a car crash. And that's what it was. Remember, we all know you agree. And there's nothing better. So we're watching it. And as we're watching it, the coach calls out the next person. He calls out Jason Ramos. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Jason Ramos. Jason Ramos was approximately 300 pounds. He was over six feet tall. He's pure muscle. And he ended up playing football professionally. Jason Ramos had prison tattoos in ninth grade. I'm not even joking. He had prison tats. His arms were bigger than my waist. Probably still are. But he was just massive of a guy. And I'm like sitting there off to the side like, dude, whoever's going to go against him is going to get murdered. This is going to be great. I cannot wait. And then the coach yells out, Mark. Oh, my gosh, I'm about to die. Here's this big, giant freight train of a man, and here's me. I'm, like, over here just doing my own thing. Like, I was small and scared. So I'm like, all right, I got to psych myself up. So I get pumped up. You know, like, when you get pumped up for a game or something, like, you do, like, your little thing. So I'm there on the side, like, at the circle, like, whoa. Yeah, we're going to get this. We're going to get this. <laughs> It'll wipe off. And I go... And I line up, and I just see everyone like sort of shaking their head. They're like, this ain't going to end good. And so all of a sudden, we're lined up, we're ready, and the coach says, go. And he starts sprinting at me. And it sounded like a locomotive in my head, like, choo-choo. And then I'm like going like full speed at him. I'm running. Rolling. And the next thing I would remember is lying on my back 30 feet away. <laughs> he rocked me. I, apparently I like flew through the air, but like all limp body, or like I don't, I remember, I was unconscious. And uh, I remember waking up there on the ground with my coaches just circled above me. And as they're looking at me, I hear one of them says, guys, we should probably call 911. <laughs> oh my gosh, apparently there was blood coming out of me. It was bad, it was bad. Um, 
But that was a challenge in my life that I had to overcome. I had to overcome the challenge of my coach saying, Mark, you are never going to play. Fast forward to the end of the season, to the end of practices, and it's our spring training, and we're going through spring training, and everything it seems to be going well. Everything seems to be going right. And in the off-season, I was working out. I would, I would run extra laps. I would go and run bleachers. I would lift weights every day. I worked out with the girls' volleyball team doing plyometrics because I figured that's who I would work out with because we're probably... Well, they were all better than me. They were all better athletes than me anyways. But it comes time for our spring game. And for our spring game, the coaches actually draft the players from all of our teams. So freshmen, JV, and varsity. And they draft the players. And so they go and draft the players. And the next week's going to be the game. But they draft the players. And the next day, like, everyone is excited to see, like, where they got drafted. Everyone's excited to see what team they made it on. And uh, my coach, there's a, a little coach that was played for us. I called him Napoleon. Um, he was the only person shorter than me. Um, but I call him Napoleon because that Napoleon complex. And what that means is that he thought he was like 10 foot five when in reality he was like five foot nothing. So we're playing, or he, he calls me up and he goes, Mark. I'm like, yes, coach, what's up? He goes, I want to tell you something. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you're on my team. Awesome. We drafted you. Yes, I probably got drafted last, co last coach. He goes, no, you were our number one draft pick. And I looked at him. That is the stupidest thing you could have ever done. But he goes, no, I've seen you working in the off season. I've seen you training. And even though you've had these big goals and there's been challenges in your life and things holding you back, I believe in you. Fast forward to the game. The game's going and it's two minutes left in the game. And my team is down by six points. The other team has the ball and they go the handoff and I'm playing defense. My job is to tackle whoever has the ball. And they hand it off to no one other than Jason Ramos. Don't ever boo him. I'm afraid if he ever hears someone boo him, like, he's going to come beat me up again. But, I'm just playing. But uh, he, they hand it to Jason Ramos, and he makes it through the first line. He makes it through the linebackers. And all that is standing between him and the touchdown is me. My wet pants because I wet myself. Don't hate. It happens. And he's going, and he's running full steam at me. And I know that if I do not tackle him, it's going to be the end. So I start sprinting full speed at him with everything in me. He's sprinting full speed at me, and we're going. And all of a sudden, we collide in this beautiful, twisted, mangled car crash of a scene. And he lands on his back. They had to get a stretcher to take him off the field. Look at me now. Look what you made me do. Ended up hearing later that... Uh, he was talking with his mom, and his mom looked at him like, how did you let the scrawniest person out there tackle you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> it just made me, brought me joy. I don't know why. I just wanted to share that with you guys. But anyways, I think a lot of us in this room, we face challenges in our lives. We face challenges um, all throughout our journey. And I think for a lot of us, those challenges sort of stop us in our tracks. And we think that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough, that we're not talented enough, that we're not athletic enough, that we're not whatever it is enough. And maybe for you, those challenges is, is schoolwork. Maybe for you, you have schoolwork, and schoolwork just does not come easy. It's a little bit difficult. For others of us in the room, maybe that challenge in our life is with relationships. We have a hard time making friends, or maybe we've been bullied and picked on. When I was in junior high, I rode my bike to school every day, and I walked it back home every day because there were kids that every single day would empty out all the air from my tires. Maybe you've been bullied. 
Maybe you've had problems with relationships with your family. You and your siblings are always fighting. Maybe your parents have gotten divorced or are going through a divorce. And you just think about this challenge like, how can I even go on? This is so difficult for me. Maybe you have tough teachers. Maybe you have a lot of other issues. And you think to yourself, how do I even go on? You guys, I want to be honest with you today. There's been times in my life where I have felt those challenges just like you. And when I think about the people in the Bible, I think about Jesus, and I think about, like, man, I, I can never measure up to him. I'm not as perfect as he was. I'm not as good. How could he even like me? How could he love me? What is wrong with me? But then I remember Jesus had 12 disciples. He had 12 people. They were like his closest friends. They were the people that did life together. They ate together. They told fart jokes together. They did everything together. They were his boys. They were his people. And as he's going on in his life, he looks at one of them, one of the disciples named Peter, and he goes, Peter, you are the rock I'm going to build my church on. You are the man that I think our church is going to grow, and it's the, you're the person that's going to like expand the kingdom greater than you could ever imagine. And then what does Peter do at the end of Jesus' life? He denies Jesus three times. When they ask him, hey, weren't you with him? Nah, I don't even know who that guy is. Hey, weren't you one of the disciples? I've never even heard of him. Hey, aren't you from Galilee? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm from Irvine. I'm not from here. I'm, I'm from somewhere else. But he, like, made up these excuses. And these were the people that were supposed to be on the front lines. These were the people that were supposed to be the who's who of Jesus' followers. Yet they made mistakes. They weren't perfect. They were challenged in their lives. But they said, we're not going to let the enemy win. They said, we're not going to let the devil win. And I want to let you know, if you remember anything from today, if you remember a single thing from today, is this is what I want you to remember, is that life will give us challenges and lions to fight, whether we're prepared for them or not. So we need to learn how to have the skills to fight for what is right so that we can follow Jesus. That will be up on the screen in a minute. But that's going to be up there. And that's the one thing I want you to know is, hey, we're all amateurs in this room. None of us have it figured out. None of us are the best of the best. But Jesus is on our side. And with Jesus on our side, we can do anything. We can do crazy, incredible things. And I know for us in this room, we think to ourselves, hey, Mark, you don't know me. Mark, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the challenges that I face. You don't know about me getting picked on and bullied. You don't know about my self-esteem. You don't know about how I'm not good at school or athletic. You don't know about how I'm like my dad's like third favorite child and there's only two of us. Like, but God looks at you and he says, oh my gosh, you're my precious child who I wonderfully made, you have no idea what you're going to do. You're going to do amazing things. And he looks at the person next to you and goes, oh, my gosh, you are my wonderful child who I love and I care for, and I made you so uniquely. You're going to do crazy things. And then he goes to the other person. He goes, oh, you are my child who I love, who I cherish. You are going to do crazy things. And the challenges in our lives that we face now will set us up to overcome the challenges in our life that we are going to face in the future. You guys, there's a, a Bible verse in the Bible 
And in the Bible, it talks about wearing the belt of truth. It talks about the armor of God. It says you need to wear the belt of truth. And if I'm completely honest with you, I love that when it talks about the belt of truth in the Bible. And the reason why is this. It's because the truth in our life is that Jesus came down to earth, lived a perfect life, was then murdered, hung on a cross, buried in a grave, and then he rose three days later so that each and every one of you could have a relationship with him. In fact, it says, or that, that's what it says, but the reason I love the belt, the reason I love the belt is because without that truth in your life, your pants fall down. Without Jesus in your life, you're wandering around with your pants at your ankles, which is just weird. Let's be honest. If you saw someone actually walking around like that, you're like, stay away from that person. He's a creeper. No. Call 911. But it's really important. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 14, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And I want to let you guys know the truth. The truth is that God loves you. The truth is that God wants you in a growing relationship with him. If you are not part of a life group, join a life group. Because when you're in a life group, you're in a community of people chasing after God. And when you have those challenges in your life, you have a group of people surrounding you that are chasing after God with you that will help and support you. You guys, you are loved. You are wonderfully made. You can overcome each and every challenge, any challenge that comes your way. Because you were made in God's image. And when he looked at you, he said, man. This is my child who I love. Will you all mind praying with me real quick? Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you a bunch of broken, messy people. God, we come before you people who, who don't necessarily have it figured out. We come before you people that face these challenges that seem bigger than us. We face these challenges that seem like we cannot overcome them. But God, with you on our side, we can overcome anything. God, with you on our side, you give us the strength and the ability to overcome these challenges, to overcome the roadblocks, to overcome these relationships, God. And even though that we are amateurs, you are the most professional. Even though we are amateurs, God, you have experienced it all, and you know what is right, you know what is good, and you know what we're capable of. And God, you are with us. God, I pray over each and every one of these students that as they go throughout their week with their families at their schools, God, that they can just be a light for you. And even those th things at time might seem crazy and challenges so big that they remember that you are with them. And God, they have the ability to change the world. And all God's people said, Amen. Why don't you stand up on your seat? On your, on your seat. Come get on your seat. Stand up on your feet. <laughs> and we're